Welcome One Foot Down Podcast, episode 41. This is Eric Murtaugh back as your host. So how about that North Carolina game, huh? Uh, pretty crazy, crazy and wild game. The whole uh, defense, I know I kind of set that up with my last podcast talking about uh, Brian Van Gorder setting the bar so high, and then this happens. Um, North Carolina really kind of shredded the Notre Dame defense for large portions of the game on Saturday. Yeah, that's not good. Um, obviously, the tempo is a big part of that. I mean, I said this in my review. I don't think I've ever seen a team move that quickly, certainly since uh, I've been covering the team now five or six years, and I'm, I doubt any offense has moved quicker than that, you know, last century or maybe the early 2000s I didn't teams didn't really move this hyper speed yeah they were moving at a, a pretty ridiculous pace and um, we knew the Tar Heels were going to kind of throw some some trick plays in there and, and do some some crazy stuff and they ended up doing some of that but you know I think you can kind of say well the Temple messed with Notre Dame and we might not see a team like Florida State do that this weekend but at the end of the day you can't be too happy with some of the numbers that North Carolina put up. Obviously, turnovers were were, were a factor for Notre Dame, giving North Carolina some short fields. But even with those short fields, and you put up 510 yards, uh, 6.1 yards per play, 30 first downs. I mean, 30 first downs. I think, I don't know, I didn't research that one. That might be one of the higher totals if not from the Kelly area, I was certainly stretching back into the Weiss era. I mean, 30 first downs, that's amazing. And, you know, that's not all setting them up on short fields and stuff like that, and it's not all turnovers and spotting them 21 points like Brian Kelly has mentioned a million times. That's, you know, that's just bad defense. And I think it's okay to admit that the defense didn't play very good and pay, played poorly at, at times and, you know, kind of got exposed a little bit. Uh so, I mean, that's my big takeaway from this game is the defense uh, has some things to work on. Probably not a dominant defense that we kind of were seeing through the first five games. You know, we finally got to see an offense that had some weapons all over the field, and we finally saw a quarterback that played a good to great all-around game now. In the first five games, you can make a good case that it was a mixture of Notre Dame playing poor quarterbacks and Notre Dame just playing really well and forcing those quarterbacks to play poorly. But this game, you know, Marquise Williams, or Marquise, I guess is how you pronounce it, Williams is a pretty decent quarterback, but certainly not an elite quarterback at the college level, at the Power 5 level. And, uh, you know, he, he played a heck of a game rushed for over 100 yards, threw for over 300. Um, he threw one really bad pick that cost him a lot uh, in the, at the end of the game. But uh, really worried about the defense right now. I don't. I think they'll play pretty well this weekend, but I think this is one of those games we're going to look back and say, this might have been one of the turning points from going from, you know, statistically an elite defense in the beginning of the season to, okay, not quite an elite defense, and that's okay. I mean, did anyone really expect this defense to be elite with all the new players, with all the injuries, with the new defensive coordinator, all that stuff going on? I don't think so. 
Uh, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But, I mean, that's my big takeaway from the game is the defense. Now, I think there's still a lot of talk about Everett Golson in this game. I'm not as down on him as a lot of other people have been lately just because I think he can get his turnover problem under control. I don't think it's ever going to really go away. For example, you know, you might see a running back fumble two or three times over one or two games, and everybody in the whole entire world freaks out about how that running back can't protect the ball, and, oh, my God, are they even practicing protecting the ball in and, and practice, and do they work on this? Are the coaches preaching front of miles? And then you see the running back not fumble another nine games the rest of the season, so... Um, I don't think that's really going to happen with Golson, but I don't think it's probably statistically impossible for him to fumble two times a game. And as long as he's not doing that, then I think we're going to be okay with if with with the turnovers. I mean, yeah, some of his interceptions have been bad. I think it's been a little bit exacerbated by two pick sixes in back-to-back weeks. Well, two and three weeks, I guess it would be. The, the first one was in the Syracuse game, but you know, he's only has four interceptions on a, on a bunch of throws and. Uh, you know, I think those are just mental mistakes. He's not the kind of quarterback, and he's never shown this over his career, who just talent-wise can't make certain throws, and he's making poor passes and, you know, over overshooting receivers or throwing behind them, and that's why he's, caught, why he's throwing interceptions. He's pretty accurate, and for the most part, he makes good decisions with the ball. I'm not too worried about the interceptions. The fumbles, you know what? I just think he, I think he's dainty. He's not a very big kid. When he gets hit, it's really easy to, to uh, jar the ball loose out of his grasp. And I think that's just something we might have to live with. You got to hope it doesn't happen two or three times a game, and you can string together a couple games here and there where it doesn't happen. But you know, and I think he has improved with his ball carrying skills a little bit. I thought he was a lot worse in 2012 carrying the ball really loosely uh, away from his body a lot. Um, you know, the thing with Golson is he just needs to learn how to slide. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. He, I still don't really believe in the heart of my heart that he's over 200 pounds, but that's neither here nor there. I think once he breaks into the open field and sees a defender, especially when I think when he's deep in his own territory, if he breaks free, gets five yards, and he's about to get hit. He just needs to slide. And when when he goes down the sidelines, just get out of bounds. Well, you're going to be protecting yourself over the long run and protecting the ball. I mean, that's we'll see if he can improve on that um, over the season. What else to take away from this game against North Carolina? Um, I'm not really sure. I thought, you know, you, the offense played really well at times. They ran the ball pretty well, 219 yards rushing. It was nice to see Fulston kind of come into his own. I called it probably his best game of his career. Um, and I don't think there's really any doubt about that. A couple of his good games last year were kind of get against weak opponents. Um, I guess you could say North Carolina defensively isn't really a great measuring stick for him, but I thought not only the production that he had, I mean, 98 yards rushing, um, 71 yards receiving, which is great. I'd like to see more of that from him and all the running backs, but just the way he ran on some of the runs, I mean, there's a couple there where it looked like he kind of broke the law of physics with the way he contorted his body and and, and escaped the, 
the you know the, the grasp of a defender and I even really liked his uh the touchdown that he scored on the pass from Golson where he flared out and Golson got it out to him by the way sneaky good throw there by Golson showing off his arm strength a little bit of a flat foot throw um kind of hard to tell I think when you're watching live how far that ball traveled but he he got it to Folston and then he turns his body one way and he just had really I mean he's got great hip swivel he just turns his hips and boom he's he's facing north south again and he easily gets into the end zone it would look like when he caught that ball that that guy was going to tackle him and uh, that was going to be the end of the play but he walks in pretty easily into the end zone so um those are the kind of things that I think we've been waiting to see from Folston he showed a little bit of flashes here and there um you know with the way the running game's been going, he's been trying to elude defenders in the backfield that squirt through the line, and he's always been good at making the first guy miss. He's been doing that pretty consistently, but he hasn't been able to, you know, get to the second level and do some other things, and we finally saw him get able, been able to do that this year. So um, I liked that out of him. Um, Fuller, again, strong performance. He's been putting up some uh, pretty scary numbers and that's finally, I think he's getting the recognition as a number one receiver. Uh, Coach Kelly talked about that in his press conference on Tuesday, that he's pretty much the go-to guy now. And, you know, people were wondering, well, why didn't why didn't uh, Torrey Hunter play a lot more this past weekend after showing some things against Syracuse, and he played a little bit against Stanford. And Kelly's response was, well, Will Fuller's he's so good right now that they can't afford to take him off the field. So – Seven catches, 133 yards, two more touchdowns. I think he has seven touchdowns now in six games. Do the math. He's on pace for, you know, 15 touchdowns this year. That's, I mean, that's pretty much close to All-American level. Um, you know, there's some really good, strong receivers out there who are probably playing in uh, more potent passing games are going to have better numbers than him and probably finish first-team, second-team All-American, and Fuller won't quite be there, but – you know he's in the discussion right now, and I think that's all you can really ask from uh, from him. Uh, you know this is pointed out on the site um, a couple weeks ago by Jim. Complete miss on my behalf uh, on his recruitment. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of tape on him. Really small kid, still pretty small, but uh, just he's quick as hell. Got great ball skills. Can jump up and get the ball a lot like T.J. Jones. But I think he's got a little bit more. Burst to him, burst to him in the open field. Um, TJ really showed that in his senior year that he, he had that kind of a burst, but we're seeing this now from Fuller as a, as a true sophomore. That's pretty exciting to see. Um, defensively, not a whole lot to talk about from this game. Didn't really play. The defensive hole didn't play very well. Um, you know, there's some questionable non-holding calls on Sheldon Day. He's pretty active in the backfield. It just it was what, kind of felt like one of those Diaco games where he, we had defenders in the backfield and just weren't able to bring the quarterback down. Uh, Williams was really athletic and did a good job uh, running with the ball and running away from defenders. Um, Joe Schmidt had a career high 11 tackles. Talked a lot about him on the site. Some people didn't think he played well. Others, including Lars, thought he played pretty well. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to tend to agree with Lars. I thought he played pretty well. That force fumble was really nice, and uh, you know it's kind of hard to uh, to talk back on eleven tackles. I mean, that's a lot of tackles. That's those weren't all just you know tackling the ball carrier. 
15 yards downfield. He was pretty active, I thought, even if he didn't play a perfect game. So I think, you know, I said this on Twitter when I was controlling the One Foot Down account during the game. Type of the game that you don't ever really want to watch again. I think it might be fun to watch the game, uh, the offensive snaps, kind of watch some of that stuff. You know, Notre Dame ran the ball pretty well. Uh, It's finally good to see them run the ball when they needed to run the ball and make it look easy at times. Some of those touchdowns are basically untouched running backs just dancing into the end zone, I think. All three running backs had carries that were untouched touchdowns. So that was good to see. Uh, obviously, North Carolina not great at stopping the run, but nevertheless, so are some other teams that Notre Dame plays, and we don't run the ball like that. So that was really nice to see. Um, other than that, not a whole lot to take away from this game. I think it defensively scary. Um, hopefully it will be an aberration but I'm not so sure about that. So now this weekend, Florida state game coming up, super excited about this game. I mean, you couldn't have put it together any better. Um, if you're ESPN, ABC, uh, both undefeated teams, Florida state falls from number one to number two, but they're still in the top five. Clearly Notre Dame moves up to number five. So it's a top five matchup. Um, you don't see a whole lot of these games. Um, not only in college football during the regular season, but, you know, Notre Dame history, there isn't a whole lot of these games. There's a lot more than other teams have played just because Notre Dame's schedule kind of lends itself to playing um, some really good teams, and Notre Dame's really good. That kind of happens. Like These collisions kind of come together. Um, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of a preview on Florida State. I'll leave that to my article tomorrow, which will be, a little bit longer than usual just because the game's um, so important and um, I thought it was worth it to put a little bit more extra effort into it and kind of break things down a little bit more. Um, I do think defensively these teams are really close to each other. Um, I like Florida State's secondary with their corners. They have Darby. Everyone knows him. Former Notre Dame commit. He flipped to Florida State relatively late in the process. Um, He's had a pretty strong career projected as kind of a second round, first round draft pick in the NFL. They also have another corner Williams who uh, I think is a year older. I'm not sure about that, but he is also projected to be really high, go really high in the draft. And then they also have a third corner. Well, I should say third safety who has been playing a lot of nickel corner this year. Um, Florida state's been playing a lot of four, two, five, um, with this nickel corner, Jalen Ramsey kind of being more of a ball hawk. Uh, He's had a really good season so far. He had a nice interception uh, against Syracuse, although the quarterback threw it right to him. But uh, he's really active. He's got some tackle for loss. I think he's going to be someone to watch out for. I wrote that in my preview that you can read on Thursday. Uh, He's one of the impact players I think that Notre Dame's going to have to watch out for because he can – take away some of those screenplays and maybe, uh, you know, be one of the blitzers that's going to be giving the Notre Dame offensive line some problems. But overall, you know, this isn't really a super scary Florida State defense, um, but still obviously really good. There's a lot of talent on the field. They will be getting uh, Matthew Thomas back from a suspension slash ankle injury. He's been apparently practicing with the first and second teams for a while. Um, 
don't know exactly what kind of impact he would have. You would imagine they probably wouldn't play a whole lot. You know, I think he played a little bit in the first game when he got hurt, and from there he was suspended, and now he's back for this Notre Dame game. But uh, he's a Jalen Smith type of a recruit, redshirt freshman now, um, you know, similar to to Jalen and body type and what Florida State fans would probably hope is playmaking ability. So he could be a, a wild card on defense. But like I said, you know, normally in these situations, a player like that's not just going to jump right in on the first team and, and and make 10 tackles and two tackles for loss and get a pick or anything like that. So um, up front, this Florida State line is, I guess what I would describe as stout, um, not very explosive. They don't have the tackle for loss numbers or sack numbers that you kind of would would think that uh, Florida State would have. Um, I, they're struggling a little bit getting pass rushers, pass rushers off the edge, and that kind of mirrors what Notre Dame's going through as well. I think in a lot of ways these defensives are just mirror images of each other. Notre Dame has a pretty stout defensive front and a, and a stout defensive front seven, but not, a, not really any dynamic pass rushers off the edge. You know, Notre Dame has to generate a lot of its pressure from its linebackers. Um, I think Florida State's a little bit more content not to blitz as much, and they'll sit back and uh, and, and, and do stuff like that. So um, I, it's really hard to say which team has a better defense. I do think, you know, when you're looking at Notre Dame's offense versus their defense, there are some concerns. Obviously, the Notre Dame offensive line hasn't been playing very well. Um. So my hope is they don't get too one-dimensional in this game. Uh, you know, go back to the BCS title game a couple of years ago, and, and, and you looked at the Alabama defense, obviously way more talented than what Florida State um, is going to be fielding. But that Alabama team wasn't crazy explosive in making plays in the backfield and, and generating sacks either. They were just really stout, you know, controlled the run and, you know, Notre Dame pretty much couldn't do anything on the ground in that game and put the whole game on Golson's shoulders, and he couldn't get it done. And hopefully we don't see that kind of a, a result this weekend against Florida State where Golson's you know, tasked with doing it all because we can't run the ball at all. It's going to be really important to be able to run the ball a little bit, have some success on the ground there, maybe 100, 120 yards will get it done. But um, I think this is going to be a, a tough game for Notre Dame to win just because I think Florida State's offensive line is a little better than Notre Dame's, and I trust Winston in the big games a little bit more than I do Golson. I think Golson's going to really have to – I don't think he's going to have to have a crazy game where he'll throw for 450 yards and four touchdowns, but he's going to have to play mistake-free football. Um you know, make plays with his feet, and he's just going to have to be on his game, even if he's not putting up, you know, gigantic Heisman numbers. And uh, my concern in this game, really what comes down to for me, is if Notre Dame can get pressure on Winston, um, I'm not terribly positive that they're going to be able to do that. And even if they do, I think he's shown over his career that he can handle the pressure pretty well and and make plays throwing the ball and – you know, he's a big, strong kid and um, might be able to fight through some of that pressure, run away from some of it and still make plays. Um, I, I think he's missing some of his – some of the, the players from last year, like Kelvin Benjamin, he was able to just throw the ball up to that guy and, 
he'd go up and get it and make big plays. And they had some senior running backs that were really good at catching passes out of the field and blocking. And that, those guys aren't there right now. So, I mean, there is some hope, obviously, for Notre Dame. And it's not like I think, you know, Florida State's just going to run away with this game. I think Notre Dame can win this game, and I think it's going to be close. But I think the one really what it comes down to is, is Winston being protected by that offensive line and um, being able to make plays. So that's all I got for this podcast. Um, this is another night game. We've had a couple afternoon games in a row after seemingly every game was a night game. So we're back to the Night Owls this week. Um, as most of you know, ESPN will be in Tallahassee for game day, so there will be lots of coverage of everything going on. Um, we'll have the instant recap, instant reaction of the game right after uh, on Saturday night. So I'm sure many of you will be staying up plenty late to discuss um, whether or not Notre Dame moves into serious playoff contention and possibly, you know, maybe discussions of being the top team in the country or kind of refocusing after a loss and kind of going from there. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, I'm excited for this game. Uh, not one of those people that wanted to see Winston get suspended. Um, basically, I'm one of those people that just enjoys college football, and I enjoy watching uh, really good players play, and I'm interested to see how Notre Dame does against them, and that's pretty much what it all comes down to me not really worried about any of the moralities or any of that stuff going on. I want to beat the best. And, um, you know, I like watching Winston playing football and that doesn't really affect anything or how I feel about him off the field at all. So hopefully Notre Dame can go in there and beat Florida state with Winston at quarterback. We'll see how it goes. I am Eric Murtaugh. This is our 41st podcast. Uh, we'll see you next week after the Florida state game.